Welcome to the Steve and Stone Show, powered by two dudes trying to revive and relive their college podcast. I think America is the land of second chances, except for when it comes to this dude, Mr. Jabba the Hutt, you fat, slobberly, no good, lazy. Oh, come on, that's a little strong. And listen. With your host, Newport Goals announcer, and a guy that doesn't believe you can eat mac and cheese with a spoon, Stephen Hutt. Five, eight little mousy boys that live in the wall and crawl around for cheese. (laughs) Okay, we get it. Alongside award-winning podcaster and two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant, Colton Stone. How he takes off the shirt. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Being everything from college football to baseball to creating dumb lists purely for debate. Totally stupid. Well, Doug and I love stupid. Tune in every week wherever you listen to podcasts and enjoy. Now, there's a difference between having fun and being a jackass. Welcome back to it. It's the Stephen Stone Show. I'm Colton Stone alongside Stephen Huff, as always. Stephen, it's a uh, crazy weekend, weekend of sports um, with the virtual draft. Obviously, um, problems happened. Uh, we expected them to happen. No one like missed a pick. Uh, necessarily, but um, you know, Roger Goodell took his sweet time getting the first pick on the board, even though we knew who it was going to be. And uh, you know, it it wouldn't be a draft if we didn't have to wait forty minutes for for the first <laughs> pick to come through. But um, before we get into that, just um, you know, how was your weekend? What have you been been up to? You know, kind of a quick turnaround for us since we recorded uh, last Thursday. But um, what's been up, man? Yeah, it's it's crazy weekend in sports. Kind of an interesting weekend in my life as well. Most people are kind of going out during this time in quarantine, um, getting puppies. It's a great time to train them. I know I have a friend that did that. My sister and brother-in-law got a new puppy too. Um, me and my girlfriend were actually talking about it, kind of wishing that we could, um, kind of wanting one um, since it is a great time. So we went out and we actually uh, got four chickens. So I don't know what is happening in my life right now, honestly. It's just, it's it's mayhem. Um, so we have four new little chickens, and we built a chicken coop. Um, it's all done yesterday. Um, chickens stayed the night in there last night. That was their first night. So we go out this morning, you know, hoping they're okay. Um, and we go out, and we see a hawk at the foot of the door staring in, trying to find its way in. So um, no chickens are harmed. We're, they're okay. But I just, I mean, I don't know what's going on. We, we got a lot of work to do, I feel, with the chicken coop still. Yeah, uh, brand new chicken parents apparently, and uh, would not have expected it a couple of weeks ago you know, or ever in my life. Uh, you know, past uh, it's it's so dumb when people celebrate their pets' birthdays. So this past week we celebrated Pumpkin's birthday. <laughs> um, we've had him. We've had him for almost two years. Um, we got him. Well, we found him when he was about four months. So he's two years old now, um, and just. A, pain in the ass but (laughs) is it pumpkin or pickles that we'll hear later in the podcast probably probably both of them right now (laughs) they so we i mean you've been over to our place but we keep like the blinds probably eight inches up just so they can see out from the bottom um and now with the weather being nicer there's bugs there's birds um you know they 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 just to look at right and so they're trying to catch bugs like through the glass when they have no chance. They hear a bird <laughs> chirp and they're just like all over the door. Um, the other day, 
and I don't remember if I told you this or not, but if I did, so stop me if I did, but the other day, um, we live close enough to like a couple of ponds where geese will show up. And so, you know, sometimes you'll hear them honking and it's like, oh, whatever. They're probably just like around or just flying around, whatever. Yeah. But it kept like getting louder. And <laughs> I was like, that's so weird. Like, why is it so loud? I was like, maybe it's outside. Maybe it's right above the apartment. <laughs> And the cats are freaking out because they hear it. And I, I go and open the blinds and like probably <laughs> six feet from our door, the goose is just standing there. Just like, I don't I don't even, I felt bad because I was like, oh, this goose doesn't belong here. But, yeah. but the cats are just like, <laughs> foaming at the mouth, trying to like figure out how they can get out there. And, they look uh, like Cujo. But I was just like, why are they like losing it? And I was like, oh. There's, you know, a full-grown goose right outside of our door. So, um, <laughs> you never know what you're going to find. So being a pet parent, is uh, it's a very real thing. Um, I'll uh, keep you updated on the chickens and, and how this goes, because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be something else. We're going to be plant parents soon. I know that's, oh, wow. that's a little less work. Sometimes I feel like that's a little harder. Yeah. I, I have bad luck with plants. I killed a cactus, and you have to feed those... You know, once, once a, a every couple months. Yeah, yeah once a year. So maybe. I, I actually killed two cacti. So <laughs> it's it's not. I'm not good at being a plant parent. I'll say that. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Maybe if we just leave them outside and forget they're there, they'll just they'll figure it out. I don't know. Um, Steven's got his coffee. I've got my um, up and up pediatric electrolyte solution. Apparently, it's compared to compared to Pedialyte. Um, Orange flavored. Uh, I feel like I have been drinking like no water the past few days. Uh, That's good. That's good. Energy drinks, coffee, alcoholic beverages, you name it. Doesn't have, I right. mean, they all have water in them, right? In theory. But uh, put some ice in there and you're you're hydrated. <laughs> you gotta you gotta mellow out the flavor of scotch some way, I guess. <laughs> but. So that's that's my goal right now is stay awake, stay hydrated. Um, yeah. yeah, those Belvita bites again, you said? Yeah, cinnamon brown sugar, this this go around, mm. just cracked into that box. Um, yesterday, I, I um, a testament of how little I, like, sleep. Um, I wear an Apple Watch, and my goal is to get 12 stand hours in a day, um, which is one minute every 12 hours, I mean, every hour. Yeah. It's not that hard. But uh, I had 20 stand hours yesterday, um, and I only had four idle hours, and those were probably the four hours I actually, like, laid down for a minute and, like, wow. <laughs> was like, I'm not getting up. I'm not doing it. So that's uh, – Busy man. Yeah. yeah. So, but or just a standing man. <laughs> I sleep standing up now. I, think <laughs> I just, like, changed my philosophy at this point. But speaking of busy, uh, busy weekend um, – for the NFL, not really any other sports, um, as we we kind of um, keep our our ear um, on on the other professional sports. The NFL really the only thing that's had anything major. I guess there was also the WNBA draft about two weeks ago too, um, and, and a big Marbula E uh, race coming up soon, which we might get into if we have which time. I'm happy you're finally on board with. <laughs> For those listening, if you were here last week, obviously I talked about it. Colton texted me a day later saying it was electric and he's all in. So more Marbula E coming your way. Yeah, we might have we might just have to like Twitch stream it and just <laughs> we'll we'll commentate. It'll give us something. We got a degree for something, right? Um, 
But anyways, so the NFL, really the first, um, you know, men's professional sport to have something happen in, gosh, the past six weeks or so. Um, you know, every every league is trying to kind of find its way to slowly come back. We thought, like, the NHL was maybe going to play in Fargo or maybe they were going to play in Duluth and they were just going to quarantine everybody and just, you know, and then they came out, like, a week later, like, okay, well, that's not possible. We can't do a neutral site. And everyone's like, just cancel it. Just cancel the season. Like, there's um, – you know, there's not a lot to hold hold on to for some of these. Now, I'm not saying, like, they, I'm giving up on it. Um, but, like, right now, you're going to have to pull a lot of strings for sports to happen outside of, like, the fall. You know, because who knows, you know, what. For example, the NBA, like, Rudy Gobert, he tests positive, And then, like, you've got three other guys on the team that test positive. So, it just becomes, you know... You could be a silent carrier, whatever it may be. And it's like, who knows if isolation is going to work. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So the NFL, not as, I don't think this is the new like new wave of thing that they're going to do. I think it's it was purely based on the situation that they were doing the virtual draft. Obviously, you know, don't have the you know the green room excitement, the awful suits that people decide to wear. Um, sometimes good. Don't get me wrong. But as long as nobody shows up in a, you know, 1990s Michael Jordan suit, like wearing their their sheet and comforter uh, set. But there was just something a little bit off about it, obviously. Like, I didn't watch too much of it. I caught some of the highlights. Um, as a Washington fan, I just kind of looked on Twitter people tweet out the pics before they even happen on TV anyways I mean because God forbid you wait that extra two minutes to, <laughs> to tweet out your 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 pick but you know I don't I don't know how I feel about it but I I do for one think that um, it it kind of just proved that it is possible that we we can do things from home. Um, and, and sports leagues can do things from home to an extent, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be better if, if people can be there in person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I actually kind of liked it. I watched all of day one, most of day two, because I have no life, and then um, a little bit of day three. Watch all the seventh round picks. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's where the money's made. And then uh, I actually, you know what, it ran a lot smoother than we thought it was going to run no one Mm -hmm. like you said earlier no one missed a pick there wasn't really many issues i know like sometimes things would crash and then the tech guys would come in and save the day but uh it was actually pretty smooth and it was kind of cool to see inside all these guys' houses um and (laughs) see you know what's going on there like uh, you see zach taylor's office versus cliff kingsbury's house and it's just night and day um but uh, you know that that aspect was fun also you got to see them interact with their families so while we bash them in a couple months and talk about what idiots these coaches are, mm-hmm. um, now we are emotionally tied to them bonding with their family, and you kind of feel bad about it. Well, and the other thing, too, you know, you look at Cliff Kingsbury's house, and then you look at Sean McVay's house, and it's like the exact same pattern. And they're, like patio, and they're best friends, inversed. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one's got concrete with grass. The other one's got grass with concrete. Um and let's be honest, none of them are taking care of their yard or anything. They're, they're paying; they are paying somebody to do it. I I wouldn't. And at that point, you know, you've probably got turf instead of grass. Like, who's no one's going to deal with that? Especially if you're living out in L.A. or, or Arizona. I mean, you, 
I, I can see why Cliff would probably have uh, concrete with a little bit of grass because I, I'll tell you what, not a lot of grass is growing down there. In <laughs> yeah. But it was an interesting aspect. Um, one of my favorite tweets was before. It was like six hours before Joe Burrow tweeted like that he had Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever. And people, six hours before. Yeah, yeah and people were like, this is going to be cold by the time the draft yeah. happens. It's like it's very clearly an advertisement. They're, yeah. Like, I, I don't know why people, you know, there's a, literally a thing that says hashtag ad right next to it. Like, I don't know how you miss that. Everyone has something to say always. Yeah, but, I mean, I wouldn't eat wings six hours before either. I, I don't know if I'd eat Buffalo Wild Wings with, eh, if I'm getting paid probably. But, <laughs> but you know, yeah, like you said, pretty much went off without a hitch. Um, just, an, just an interesting view at, like, what happens during the draft, I guess. Um, we got Mike Vrabel's son uh, taking a dump on, on, yeah, on camera that we got yeah. insight to. Yeah. You know, all these things that you don't normally get with the, with the normal draft we got this year. Yeah, I think the added thing is, is like like I said with the green room, like that, I think that that is an electric part of like the first round is guys being there to actually like get the jersey like that quick little process of literally like 60 seconds where they put Andrew. a name on. But, you also get the meltdowns of, yeah. of Aaron Rodgers sliding throughout the draft and, yeah. and just people losing exactly. their minds. That yeah. level, Johnny it's not Manziel. the same. Yeah, it's not the same when Jake Fromm, you know, isn't getting picked until the fourth or fifth round and he's sliding just because there's not, not as much to it. Also, Jake Fromm's just not on the same level. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll that, that, that part I did miss yeah. a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about the quarterbacks for sure. But, yeah, that's the thing. It's just that, like, so many guys that you would have thought maybe were going in the first, you don't, like, get – you don't get the, I almost want to say built-in drama because them being in person, it just like makes it more dramatic. But the other part is you you do get to see these fourth-rounders, fifth-rounders, sixth-rounders, like them being with their family a lot of the time anyways because they're not, you know, they're not at the actual draft. So I think the cool perspective is, is you get to see the guys that do go in the first round and like see what what their setup is like. I know Chase Young, like, basically did a press conference from his like doorstep um and you know joe burrow pretty like relaxed setup um you know and then you've got tua has like 40 people in his living room but you know that's hawaiian families polynesian families are just that that it is what it is you know and i think it was definitely like a cool perspective but at the same time it's like who knows who knows that what the difference in like entertainment value would have been if they could have done it in person. All I know is we maybe would have gotten less of a robot out of Roger Goodell. Um, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the like second through seventh round, he's non-existent anyways. And, and now he's like, Oh my God, I've got to make a 194th pick, I guess. <laughs> like, so the best part with Roger Goodell was uh, first of all, the, those, tight jeans he was wearing everyone wanted to see that and then also him trying to pump up each fan base as he's about to announce the pick i mean that was just that was wonderful entertainment yeah, we should have we should have zoomed in for the chargers i think i think they they needed it from us um and the other funny thing what i think the uh, we want to talk about who had the best like place they were drafting from it's got to be jerry jones because he's on a yacht very are you clear, kidding me very clearly on a boat and on top of that 
He doesn't even hold his own phone. He has someone that holds <laughs> yeah. his phone for him. <laughs> he was flexing the whole draft. <laughs> it was just, it was, a, I realized just how broke I am watching Jerry Jones oh, yeah. uh, work the draft. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of like my takeaway from it. But, you know, all in all, as far as the first round goes, like I told you, after the first round, nothing's really a surprise because, I mean, who, where did they draft uh, that guy from? Lim- Lenore Ryan, Am I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. The Patriots, they took, yeah, exactly. They took like a D2 guy in like the oh, third du- round. Was it Duggan? I think so. I think it was a safety in the second at least. They, yeah, they trade out. And it's just one of those that it's like, I, as as much as Duggar, I want to yeah, as much as I want to be surprised, it's like, eh, it's not the first round. Like after the first round, like nothing shocks. There's still things that are like, huh, I didn't think that would happen. But, it, you know, I think all all restraints are off after the first round, and you know, you kind of you pick what you need. You don't. Now, I'd never take a punter or a kicker in the second round, but I mean, if that's what you need, that's what you take. Chanikowski, yeah. baby. <laughs> so, um, so we'll stick with the first round for the moment. But what, uh, what if any surprise do the most? Um, out of the first round, like I said, there weren't there weren't too many up front that we were shocked by, yeah, um, or weren't expecting to be shocked by. But I think there were still some choices that were like made you at least go, "Hmm, that's interesting." You know, I, I think first round Andrew Thomas being the first tackle being picked at four. You know, a lot of people had uh, Worfs go in there. We talked about mm-hmm. you know Makai Becton and Jedrick Wills. We knew Andrew Thomas was in the same same group as them, really, but. Um, a lot of the talk at four, or even the Dolphins trading up going into the draft, which turned out to be a smokescreen, was worse kind of going around that range. So when Andrew Thomas went off the board, I was like, okay, now this will be interesting how the tackles fall. Worse kind of fell more than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bucks ended up trading up and making a nice pick there. And then um, and nothing really else surprised me. Of course, the Packers came in and, and took Jordan Love, which I wouldn't have put my money on to start the draft. But... Uh, um, other than that, it was, it was pretty straightforward. I, I, the controversial pick, though, was the Jordan Love pick. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I was leading into a little bit because this is a guy that um, this is a guy uh, that I, I I did really uh, no pun intended love in this draft. Yeah, that was one. Yeah, well, that was one of the guys you said that you were at the top of the board for. Yeah. Now, like by no means did I think he was going to be a top ten pick, but I, I did think he'd fall somewhere. You loved him, yeah, yeah, at least. Um, he would fall somewhere in the first round for sure. Um, not to the Packers. I think that's the most surprising. I think that has to be the most surprising, surprising thing in the first round because, um, you know, the, we know that the one one strength for sure for the Packers is their quarterback, and then after that it's their running back. Well, the first two picks went quarterback, running back. And what's so surprising about it is that immediately after you're thinking like, Okay, well, Rodgers is locked in at least until 2022. Like, yeah, they're going to have a bunch of dead dead space, but it is what it is. That's the NFL. But if they keep him for the entirety of his contract, their contracts run out at the same time. Well, if they're running out at the same time, Love probably hasn't even seen the field as a starter, you know, maybe in some cleanup work. Um, so the issue becomes, you know, it, well, the issue really happened after the GM was like, well, we don't really expect him to, like, start right away. And then they asked him about Aaron Rodgers, like, well, we're pretty 
confident in Rodgers being our quarterback. It's like, then why did you draft a quarterback? Yeah, a team that was a game away from the Super Bowl. And then on top of that, too, this the icing on the cake was the fact that they are, um, I mean, they're they're pretty set in him. Like, like that was who they wanted to pick, but they also said, um, now obviously paraphrasing here, but basically said, well, where we were drafting, like, it just made the most sense to trade up and take him, like, based on the competition of what to draft around him. It's like, then draft something out. Like, draft a different <laughs> position. Like, if that's – if if you're really, like, at a loss, like, someone would have taken him um, in the first round, I still think. But I, I did not think it was going to be the Packers. Now, I wasn't sold on it being the Patriots either. But I, I thought that was much more likely than the Packers taking him, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, honestly, I mean, I could have seen the Patriots always surprised they traded out and then took a guy that doesn't even play D1 football. No, <laughs> they do that every year. Um, so I guess we could have seen that coming more. But um, then, then you know, I was thinking, I actually thought the Saints would be a perfect fit, even though they were, you know, so close to a Super Bowl. They are every year. Um, and people want them to draft for this upcoming year, just like the Packers. They ended up doing that. And then the Packers trade up and take Jordan Love. I actually, I feel like I'm the only person in the world that doesn't hate this pick. I actually kind of like it. Um, I, I understand, you know, you were, you were uh, just a game away from the Super Bowl, but if Jordan Love pans out like a lot of people think he will, or um, if Aaron Rodgers is able to mentor him and teach him a little bit and he pans out, that's 40 years of just three quarterbacks, Favre, Rodgers, and Love. And you ask any other franchise, and they're signing up for that uh, without even thinking about it. I mean, you're, you're, you would sign up before you could blink or say a word. Yeah, I mean for sure, and that and that's 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 the thing is that if if you can, I mean everyone hated the the Rodgers pick when Favre was there, and they were like, well, all he's gonna do is sit behind Favre. Well, I mean that's what he did, and he's been the starter ever since Favre left. Now, if that's the plan, then I mean you write it out. But the problem is, is just the way the GM and the way the front office has been talking. It's like, well, we took him because. Uh, he was there, I guess. Like, and I mean, I like the pick overall because I like Jordan Love as a quarterback, and I think he can learn a lot by sitting behind Rodgers. But at the same time, it's just like, I, you know, is this your best option when there were so right. many wide receivers in the first round that that I thought, you know, there there was a lot of receivers in the draft and they never took one, yeah, you know. And exactly. so, I, I, did they handle the rest of the draft? I thought when they picked Jordan Love, I thought, okay, that's a really good pick. It's a you set your future up. He can learn from Aaron Rodgers. He has high ceiling. <clears throat> but then on top of that, it's such a deep receiver class. You can get someone really good in the second round. Second, and third, then, and fourth round. Yeah, you're yeah, gonna find you somebody. Can, and then they go and get a running back, and you tell, God, oh, that guy's that guy's not gonna see the field really because you got Aaron Jones there who blew mm-hmm. up last year. So um, the rest of the draft after the Love pick, I thought was somewhat of a flop I would have been okay I would have loved the Jordan Love pick and their draft that they would have got some weapons for Rodgers yeah that's that's probably the biggest issue and, and on top of that too they got a running back that doesn't really catch the ball out of the backfield either so I mean on to add you know to the misery a little bit um you know they kind of shot themselves in the foot after the Jordan Love pick like I said I don't hate that's the who pick. LaFleur is though I mean he's a he's a he's a coach that likes to run the ball he emphasized running when he was with the Titans. He kind of, you know, helped Derrick Henry explode, and then he became a beast last year. But uh, I just, I don't know if, you know, he's, I don't, I don't, I don't love it right now. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. Um, other things in the first round that jumped out a little bit. 
Um, obviously, Worfs, like you mentioned. I mean, the Bucks got a great pickup at 13. I didn't think Worfs was going to fall to 13. Originally, a lot of mock drafts actually had um, the Bucks potentially taking Jonathan Taylor in the first round or like going out on a limb and getting a running back. Um, but I think when they fell into the right spot, traded. I know they traded very, it was a very minor trade, but to have Worfs there at all. Um, was a great pick. Um, Ruggs being the first receiver to go surprised me yeah, a, you, a little bit. You kind of nailed that, though. I mean, that was the receiver that you were high on yeah. going into the draft and kind of did surprise me as well, but kind of makes sense also with the Raiders because they're affected by Tyreek Hill so much. So. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the thing is, like, I, <laughs> I think it was, gosh, what was it, maybe the fourth round, fourth or fifth round was, like, the first pick the Raiders took that the guy didn't run, like, a sub-4-5. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I mean, like speed kills in the NFL right now, but the problem is, is like you, you got to have the right guy throwing the ball to the speed that is is doing the job, right? Um, yeah, Ruggs was probably I wouldn't say he was necessarily my top wide receiver in the draft overall, but he's who I would have taken given given the circumstance. Um, like I said, you, you can teach route running; you can't really teach a guy to be fast. Um, and then Judy goes 15, and, and Lamb goes 17. And yeah, I the, think they, that was the big surprise as far as wide receivers go because I thought Lamb would actually be the first one to go based on probably everybody else's scouting reports. Um, you know, I only know so you know I only know so much about wide receivers. Um, I just I just like Ruggs' game overall, but Lamb's kind of a steal at 17 for the Cowboys. Yeah, and it was a big middle finger to the Eagles, who, yeah. who need who need a, a receiver. Everyone knew they were going receiver, um, and suddenly the guy who a lot of people thought was the best receiver in the draft might fall to them. The Cowboys, who don't need a receiver, in fact, they just spent a lot of their cap space, which they don't have a lot of now, on their receiving yeah. core in Amari Cooper, and they still have Michael Gallup, and they take C.D. Lamb just so that I mean, it's petty. It's I mean, Jerry Jones was smiling ear to ear. He couldn't contain himself. Um, was it a need? No. Um, it, does it kind of question how they're spending their money and, and the moves they made? Maybe. Yeah, maybe you should be a little bit concerned, but they're getting a great player, and they're preventing the Eagles from stepping up to them too. So I, that is one of my favorite moves in the first round. Um, and then finally, yeah, a couple other names that, that we threw, uh, threw out on the board. Like you said, um, I had – uh, I had Brandon Ayuk going a little later. I honestly thought he, in a couple mock drafts is where they had him, but had him fall around 30 to the Packers, um, given the situation of what the Packers need, and like we've said. But, you know, he goes 25 to um, to the Niners uh, after the Niners trade up for him. And I honestly think that's a good pick for them because that just kind of builds out their their receiving core that that they're kind of trying to put back together not that they really lost too much but you know that's another team that was um well not not just right there I mean you know they they kind of dominated through the NFC playoffs and then you know we kind of all know what happened in the Super Bowl and it they could have run away with that too at some point um but uh and Ayuk is a, is a great fit for them, honestly. I mean, they got rid of Marquise Goodwin yeah. at, uh, later in the draft. You kind of had a feeling his production dropped off over the years, but Ayuk just fits that mold where, no, he's not a great route runner, but he's athletic, get the ball in his hands, and he's going to make something happen. You don't need a great route runner for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, that guy schemes everyone open, so if you're athletic and can really 
uh, make some guys miss. You're going to fit well in his offense. And so I, um, as a Rams fan, it was frustrating because I thought the NFC West actually had a good good draft, and uh, the Niners nailed this one, I thought. Yeah, and then the last pick goes to the Chiefs, of course, and uh, all, all they did was add a, a fastest player as, as they could. Um, yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, kind of first running back off the board. We almost, mm-hmm. I mean, everyone betting that there was no running back going to be taken in the first round. I mean, it had to have just been pissed when the 32nd pick is a running back. And it's like, oh, all right, this is yeah, easy it, money. It's an interesting trend in the NFL, though, at least in the draft, mm-hmm. where uh, you saw, you know, Raiders take Jacobs last year, where they're kind of taking these guys who obviously talented, but kind of low mileage on them. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's because we've seen what's happened to Todd Gurley and some other, you know, top backs coming out of college who's been used a lot. And then these guys come and, you know, they haven't been used in college, so they might be a little bit fresher, can last a little bit longer in the league, too. Yeah, and I I mean, I've said this. I mean, it's a sword I'll die on for sure. I, I don't understand paying running backs, but if I am a running back, I will go take money from whoever's going to throw it at me for that <laughs> yeah. exact reason, right? Um, but the same argument goes that I've always said is you can find the next Ezekiel Elliott probably in the third or fourth round of any NFL draft. Um, you know, if, if, you, if, if you're in the first round and you're a team that needs a running back, get an offensive lineman. And the reason I say that is you're not going to be able to run the ball if you can't block. Um, you know, and that's kind of the same as far as like, well, we, we have a quarterback, but, you know, maybe we'll get a weapon instead. It's like if, if you're iffy about a quarterback – that's you got to go there first I mean it's it's just one of those that like there is a hierarchy in the draft anymore where it's not just this guy's great so we're going to take him um you know I don't I don't think we're going to see a situation like the Cowboys taking Elliott at at fourth overall much if ever again um just because it's you know quarterback heavy it's defensive heavy and it's offensive line heavy that you fill those three needs, and then you go from there. You know, if you're if you're a team that has all those things, then you start going wide receiver, maybe running back. But if you're one of those teams, you're probably drafting later in the first round, maybe not in the first round at all. So you're not going to get criticized past 15 or 20 for taking a running back because, hey, you're probably in the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, overall, the first round, not too many surprises, but some of the names that we expected to see just kind of all over the board. Um, I know you really like the fifth pick uh, with Tua. Um, yeah, you texted me immediately, <laughs> and you were like, "God damn it!" Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I just like it's. I don't know. I it's, I have no problem with Tua. I wish him the best. Like I hope he does well. But <laughs> I just like I, I want to see him healthy, and if he's healthy and he plays well, like good for him. Like I I do want to see that for him. But at the same time, like. It's hard getting on board when the probably the thing in big, big red letters on your draft pro- profile is three lower extremity injuries. Like, yeah. it's hard to get past. Yeah. But, well, I mean, I wonder if the, the Dolphins. Dol- so. Yeah, and you know what? They passed on Drew Brees when, when he failed his medical, and then he turned out to be a star. So I wonder if that was lingering in their mind. But honestly, I, next year we should do a mock draft because – you and I kind of nailed the first round. We Justin Herbert went where we thought he would go, and he was a question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about uh, maybe we missed on the tackles, but uh, you talked about Jordan Love, and then uh, 
Kenneth Murray, linebacker for Oklahoma, we thought, or at least I thought someone might trade up for him, and the Chargers ended up doing it. So mm-hmm. all in all, pre- pretty good draft for us, uh, kind of what we were thinking. Yeah, so look out for our way too early 2021 uh, <laughs> mock draft. Um, yeah. So moving past, obviously day two and day three is more of a, a cluster um, just because it's you know faster picks, it's harder to pay attention to, names from D2 schools that we don't know. Um, but just overall, you know, it's a, it's a lot harder per, to predict. Uh, I feel like the top five, top ten, it's easy to just say probably these guys, you know, with the occasional Daniel Jones thrown in there. Um, but, you know, looking at the second round, third rounds, um, I don't I don't know. Like overall, you know, some guys fell farther than I thought they would. Um, but you know, LaVisca Chenault goes forty two. We talked about him maybe sneaking into the first round. Um, probably mostly based on injuries. Um, but still picked fairly high. KJ Hamler out of Penn State, he gets taken. Um, and you know, for our teams just overall, you know, I'm, I'm fairly happy with what Washington did. They, they basically took Chase Young, and then they, they stocked up on offensive players and, and offensive weapons. Um, two names that, that went back-to-back in the second round, A.J. Epinesa ends up going to the Bills, and uh, <laughs> uh, Epinesa ends up going to the Bills. Um, I thought maybe, you know, we, we heard so much about him being a first-round pick that, um, you know, I still believed it. Um, and then followed by J.K. Dobbins uh, to the Ravens. Uh, so a lot of Big Ten love. And I think we were talking about, you know, kind of the Cowboys' middle finger um, to the Eagles. Uh, the Vikings kind of had one of their own in the second round. So Washington has, has it all but, like, done that they're going to deal uh, Trent Williams to Minnesota. And Trent Williams is like, I'm not playing in Minnesota. So Minnesota's like, all right, we're going to take Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, and uh, we don't need you. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, as a Washington fan, we, we can move on past the Trent Williams saga. Yeah, that's uh, we if, can, if we're talking winners and losers, we're all winners so that we never have to talk about yeah. a Trent Williams trade again because yeah. that's been going on for years. Yeah, and, it, you know, it. It didn't really happen. I know, and we don't have to talk about the Washington like medical staff anymore. Like that's good. Um, you know, we don't have to talk about where players don't. We don't have to play. talk about his helmet. Like there's yeah, nothing we true. have to worry about yeah, anymore. It's yeah. great. So, and another, uh, honestly, a surprising pick in the second round too was probably Jalen Hurts. Um, not that him getting picked in the second round was a surprise. It was just that. Uh, you know, maybe the Eagles just had no idea what they were doing after the first round, like, you know. And, well, that's the and, thing. And they were just like, oh, you got to take somebody. It was another quarterback people were not happy about um, being taken because it didn't seem like a pressing need. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, he could play like a Taysom Hill role uh, that you see from New Orleans. I mean, it, but if anyone should know about the value of a backup quarterback and how important they are. It's the Eagles. It's the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl and Super Bowl MVP because he was a backup quarterback. Michael Vick was a backup, and he nearly won an MVP, and he was a star. And you have Carson Wentz, who is injury-prone, and you get a guy that you could bring in, Jalen Hurts, kind of have some fun with him and see what you have. Uh, That was another pick where I I didn't see all all the hoopla about it. I mean, I liked it. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's not that – I mean, I thought Jalen Hurts went probably in about the perfect spot for him, top, you know, first 60 picks or so. Um, So 
that's not the surprising part. The surprising part was just who took him. But like you said, yeah, if there's a team that knows, like, you need to have a quarterback that knows what he's doing, um, it's the Eagles. The only problem is, is you know, are, are you going to take a rookie as, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't your typical rookie either. You know, he played four years for out three or four years for Alabama, graduated, goes to Oklahoma, um, was right there in the in the Heisman race um, at both schools, um, which most play a lot of players can't say. Um, but you know, it's it's a kind of a Jordan Love situation. Like it it all depends on what happens to the guy in front of him. If the guy in front of him gets hurt, the guy in front of him you know retires early, has a career ending injury. You know, you never know. Um, you never wish that on a player, but. It's the NFL. Anything can happen. I mean, at any point, I mean, look at Alex Smith. Like, as a Washington fan, I was like, this is great. We finally have a quarterback that can teach a younger guy behind him. Like, take take the team somewhere that's, you know, maybe it's 8-8. Eight and eight, But, like, at that point, that's competing for the NFC East. Um, you know, and, and in the blink of an eye, like Joe Theismann, just his career is basically done, you know. Um, I know he wants to get back on the field, but – I don't think anybody will let him back on the field. Um, kind of a Chris Bosch situation where you're cleared, but no one wants to see it see you cleared <laughs> either. <laughs> so, um, but overall, I mean, like I said, not nothing really surprised me. Just in general, um, guys fell farther than I thought they would. Teams took guys that maybe weren't a pressing need, like you said. But overall, you know, I think. I think we would hear more about bad drafts if there were more bad drafts. But we we said that last week that a lot of these were going to be cut and dry. You're going to, you know, here are your six needs. You have seven picks. Just make sure you get at least five of them or at least four of them. Um, if you're not confident in one, then double up on one of them. And that's basically what we saw. Like there were teams that maybe needed a wide receiver or maybe needed an offensive tackle didn't get the one they wanted, so they took two wide receivers or they took two offensive tackles. Maybe they took a cornerback instead of a safety. And then, you know, it it there was nothing that really was like, oh, my God, this team had the worst draft possible. Packers kind of messed it up, but it could still work out for them. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, we kind of just, like you said, expected teams to just um, take safer pick take take needs and that's what most teams did um in this draft and you look at one of the teams that did that um a lot more than others um and they're actually one of my winners it was the carolina panthers they went mm-hmm. all defense yeah. i mean maybe a little bit of overcorrection but uh i mean they they saw a need they they realized you know they got great weapons obviously they got christian mccaffrey they got dj moore curtis samuel at receiver they just signed i think robbie anderson as well um and so is obvious that you know they need to improve defensively they got Derek Brown who we mentioned briefly we really like him interior D lineman and then uh Gross Matos from Penn State another D end um who slipped and they got him in the second round so overall I thought you know they were one of my big big winners and then on top of that Matt Rule coming into to the pros um I think you know I just trust him in this draft because he was obviously in the college game for for years had a lot of time to study a lot of these college players. So I think he just has a little bit more insight than uh, some other NFL teams 
And so it's kind of like when Pete Carroll came into the league and he he drafted so well his first couple of years just because he knew all these guys and he knew who to take in the fifth, sixth, seventh round who weren't valued but were going to pan out. So um, I, I think this is a great, great opportunity, great chance, and a great draft for the Panthers. Who would who would you have up there as maybe one of like, – like we said, there aren't very many, like, big losers. Like, they're, you know – like again, I keep bringing up Daniel Jones, and it has nothing to do with him. It just ha- it has to do with just the Giants' reputation for the most part, with with kind of botching a, a, a big pick. Um, and the re- you know the reason I bring it up is just that we we didn't really have even like that, like a colossal like what's going on because sometimes that one pick can make it seem like your draft was awful, right? Um, which obviously the higher the pick, probably the better the player you're getting, but may not be your biggest need. So you never know. Um, but gone are the days of just drafting a player because he's good um, or, or valuable. So, but I guess what would be maybe one of one of your losers in the draft? Yeah, I got, I got a couple. Two of them are, are kind of in the same vein. Um, I'll start off with the Lions. I... You know, they draft Jeff Okuda. Everyone likes him as a corner, thinks he's solid. But um, I think you get rid of Darius Slay, who's an all-pro talent, and uh, because you don't want to pay him because he's a very good player. You know, that's just what you're supposed to do with, with good players. But they didn't want to cough up the money, so that so they trade him, get rid of him, and then what do they do with the third pick? They could trade down, or they were looking to trade down. They end up staying tight and just taking Jeff Okuda, who might have a great career, but... Um, I just feel like they got worse at the position, and the team didn't get better. So if you're a Lions fan, how can you really you know, love the pick? I get he's a good player, but how can you love the pick because your team's not going to be better at the end of the day? Yeah, it's it's. I, I feel like what's happening in Detroit is very similar to what like Bill O'Brien's done with the Texans, a little like to a smaller extent because it's not DeAndre Hopkins, right? But the the difference being like Houston was right there in the playoffs. Um, you know, and they're perennially or, you know, annually, they are almost there, if not in the playoffs. Right. And I think the reason that Detroit's kind of gone on the radar is because it's Detroit, like them, them making bad trades or getting rid of players like, or just doing nothing or, you know, they they don't have an identity. They don't have anything. Well, their identity is keeping a guy so long that he retires and, and then they, (laughs) they don't. They're so petty about it. They don't even trade his right. rights to another team. Calvin Johnson, Barry Sanders. But, um, that, I mean, that's that's who they are as a franchise. And I think that's – it just doesn't surprise anybody anymore. Like, I just – you know, the, the Detroit Lions could have a bad draft every year, picking the top ten every year. And I'd be like, yeah, well, Lions football. What do you expect? Yeah. I was just hoping, you know, to see a turn there. But then, you know, same vein, like I said, Atlanta Falcons – Get rid of Trufant at corner. Mm-hmm. They have a need there. There was talk about them trading up. They don't, uh, and they stay tight, and they take A.J. Terrell out of, out of Clemson. I'm sure he's a fine corner, but he's not Trufant level. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if we're being honest, that Dan Quinn, uh, you know, their coach, he's supposed to be a defensive defensive guy, came from Seattle, from the Legion of Boom. Their defense is bad year in, year out, and they just got worse. Sure, they got cheaper but and a little bit younger, but they got worse, and I'm surprised there's not more people calling for Dan Quinn's job just because he's pretty unimpressive every single year. And his draft, I mean, they had six picks. They take a corner, so they get worse. And then one of their other picks is a punter. So uh, you're just throwing away picks, I feel, to make your team better. Yeah, and and obviously they added some, some free agency guys um, 
Todd Gurley being the big one. But at the same time, what it's happens like, if his what if what happens if he's hurt like yeah, he has exactly. been? No, you exactly. Know? That's the thing is like you can only. I don't know. As a Miami Heat fan, you know, I've seen one too many times where the team's like, oh, we did great in free agency. It's like, well, you're taking a guy that was great three years ago. I don't want to be the team that wins in March, (laughs) you know? Exactly. That's the thing. You don't, you don't want to be, you don't want to be the team that's like, well, we lead the NFC South. Well, it's the end of September. Like, yeah, that's great. You know, also on top of that, the Saints probably have the best well-rounded roster in the league, mm-hmm. and then you got the Buccaneers who just exploded, and the Out Falcons are being yeah. yeah the Falcons are being left behind. The Panthers are looking better, mm-hmm. and so if, if you're a Falcons fan, I I would be concerned because you're getting left in the dust. You have a bad draft. It's you might have signed a guy in Todd Gurley who could be a beast, or he could be injured, and then you're left you know uh, with nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like I said, and you got uniforms no one likes. I mean, <laughs> it's you can't win. I I kept looking at the more I look at them, like I don't hate them, but except the gradient one. That's the yeah, that's I do hate yeah. that one. I yeah. I do hate that one. Um, yeah, I I mean it's I don't know. Overall, it was just a draft that nothing. I don't know. Nothing like came across that I was like, man, this was bad. This was great. This was this. This was that. Yeah. Um, I think Washington cleaned up well. I think the Rams, you know, I don't know what their big needs were, but I, a I lot <laughs> for a contending team. Yeah. They they uh, you know I'm a fan, but they they also look like pretenders a lot of the yeah. time, and so and there's more gaping holes than than you'd imagine. But um, and then you know just like around the league, it just nothing was. I know I keep saying it, but it just nothing surprised me too much. You know, just yeah. names went to teams that I thought maybe they go sooner, maybe they go later. Yeah. Um, you know, what, well, go ahead. The, well, there wasn't an individual. I mentioned the Broncos and Panthers. Those were some of my winners. Or the I don't. I didn't mention the Broncos, but they were. I love their draft. They got oh, a yeah. lot of weapons. You know, Penn State receiver, uh, Jerry. Hammer, yeah. Yep, Jerry Judy. They got a tight end out of Missouri. They got weapons for Drew Locke, whether or not he's the answer. But they're giving him a chance. They got better. But um, another individual that has actually a winner, um, Jared Stidham. I mean, the Patriots not taking a quarterback. He's obviously going to have to be the guy unless they trade for Andy Dalton or, or pick up Cam Newton. Um, in that Brian same, the answer, yeah, on the same note, the Patriots are, are losers in this draft mm-hmm, because sure. now Stidham is probably their quarterback. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, and I think with the Patriots too, um, I, I feel like the reason they they're losers in this draft is I don't know if it like showed that the franchise doesn't know what they're doing without Tom Brady or if this is what they've always done it just they don't have Tom Brady to bail them out. And yeah. I think that's that's more of what it is is that you know they always draft like this, they always pick up whoever they want. They just think that they can turn a mop into an all-pro receiver. Um, and it usually works, but the difference well, is, is Tom Brady's throwing him the ball, and, yeah, and now he's not. Well, you could say this about the Patriots too. You look at their draft history; it's actually not the greatest. You know, no. you'd be kind of surprised with how good they are as a team. But uh, I think that kind of goes with you know Matt Rule coming in the league or Pete Carroll years ago. Really, were invested in the college game, coming from the college ranks, and they knew college players, so they drafted well. Bill Belichick knows the NFL better than anyone, and so you see who he trades for, who he picks up. Those guys work out because he can evaluate NFL talent better than anyone. Mm-hmm. But they have 
a tough time evaluating college talent and they don't draft the best and that's a little concerning so even though they're doing the same that they always do what they always have done isn't great exactly. in terms of the draft and they don't have Tom Brady and those stars to, to bail them out anymore so it's it's a concerning move for them I I don't love their offseason at all yeah and you mentioned that there's still plenty of plenty of free agent quarterbacks out there you know the difference is you know, Dalton's probably going to want more money than, than Hoyer and Stidham. Newton definitely, I mean, he would deserve more money than either of those guys. Uh, you see Winston go to the Saints, um, yep. which I think that's a good move for him because even if he's there for a year, he gets to learn behind Drew Brees. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two times a year, he gets to play the Bucks. So yeah. um, uh, That move I like. I'm a little confused, though, at the same time because then they go out and – and uh, give Taysom Hill a payday. And they, they talk about him. They say he's the next Steve Young. They're expecting him to take over the throne once Drew Brees is gone. Um, I doubt it. I doubt he will. But they pay him. So. They just paid him like he's going to be. But then they also signed Jameis Winston. And so it's it's I'm, I'm confused. I don't I don't know what well, to make of well, it. I but think the bigger I don't thing know. too. The bigger thing too is that they got rid of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Just to pick up Jameis Winston. But you look at Teddy Bridgewater and he averaged different, but oh yeah, you look at Teddy Bridgewater and he averaged like what six yards per attempt or some something crazy low. Where you want you need better than that, um, and they started him consistently over Taysom Hill. So what does that say about Taysom Hill as their quarterback? You know, uh, I don't think he's gonna be the answer, but they just paid him like they want him to be. So I don't I don't know. And by no means am I saying you or I could have gotten behind uh, under center for the Saints during those games <laughs> that Drew Brees were missing. But with that defense, I mean, you could have probably made just about anybody look like a you know a decent <laughs> starting quarterback. But to your point, why why then, if you're so confident in your defense, is the answer still Teddy Bridgewater and not Taysom Hill? If you think Hill's going to be, you know. If he's, if he's the next Steve Young like you think and you really want him to, to be the quarterback in a couple of years, why wasn't he starting over a average, below-average Teddy Bridgewater? Exactly. And, uh, you know, my favorite, like, tweets and memes of about Taysom Hill is when they're comparing him to, like, wide receivers that have thrown more touchdowns. Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. Mohamed Sanu, if, if uh, he can't be a wide receiver anymore, I think – the guy's a gunslinger at heart. I think. <laughs> I think that's that's his next. That's that's his next life. Um, but you know, to to round up the draft, um, you know, names names that we thought we'd see from Nebraska. Um, I we did say the sixth and seventh rounds. Um, not that we watched them the closest, but obviously, you know, that's kind of where um, you know day three is a big a big day for Nebraska players a lot of the times. Um, you know. Lately, at least. And I think when you were talking about the most surprising things, I think just coming from the local angle, I think the most surprising thing was that the Davis Twins got drafted and the other two didn't. Um, I thought the Davis Twins were going to get drafted. I thought for sure they both would. But I thought they would get drafted along with Daniels and Lamar Jackson. Um, That didn't happen. All four are on teams. Um, we were going through this. Uh, Carlos is with uh, the Steelers, if I'm correct. Yeah, Khalil's, yep. with, um, Khalil's with the Buccaneers, which that'll be great for him. Sue's down there. Uh, Levante David's down there. Obviously, that defense is just nasty in general. Um, 
a lot of great defensive linemen. Warren Sapp played for the Bucks. Just it, it's a place that breeds defensive linemen, that's for sure. Um, but then you get Darian Daniels signs as undrafted uh, with the Niners, and then Lamar Jackson signs with the Jets. Um, you know, again, I, I didn't, I didn't for sure think all four would get drafted. Um, but the Davis twins going in the sixth and seventh, or maybe they both went in the sixth. Um, either way, both day three guys. I thought they would they would probably go later, given that Darian Daniels probably got picked in the fourth or fifth. Um, I don't know. I, I it's not the most shocking thing to me, but I, I'm kind of confused at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, I thought Daniels was going to get drafted. I thought you know maybe a late round flyer on, on Lamar too. I think mm-hmm. we're on the same page there, but. Um, it was good to see, you know, the Davis twins getting picked. I know a lot of times um, twins have to go into the draft in separate years because they get pinned against each other. You saw with the Bullocks safeties um, mm-hmm. that played Bullock for Bullock, Nebraska. Yeah. The Roods. And then the Roods you saw. With, and then also um, the Griffins from UCF. You know, you saw uh, they, they had to go in separate years. So um, a lot of times it can help one and hurt the other. But it was it was nice to see them both. Uh, get drafted and just have their family erupt. Those were those were some fun scenes. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, by no means does being undrafted mean you, you can't go out and prove it. We saw Luke Gifford made a team uh, with Dallas, um, and you know we've seen plenty of of Husker players go that route. I don't think it's necessarily you know a question of sometimes being undrafted is better because then yeah you get the pick of the litter. You know, know? I mean, you get multiple offers and. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, I'm sure the Jets aren't great, but he might have a decent chance at making that team or at least a practice squad because of it. Yeah. And Darian Daniels on the other side of things, you get to go to a winner and you get to learn from maybe the best defensive line in the NFL. Yeah. And so I, I think both are great fits, and sometimes that is the better route. Yeah, and it's and it's sometimes the better route too, not only because you get to pick the team, but at the same time it's, you know, you – you get to watch a team's entire draft or look at a team's entire draft and say, okay, well, this was a glaring need for them that they didn't fill, or this is a a need that they tried to fill with this guy, but I know I can compete at that level. Um, You know, the the only thing that the the tag of undrafted means is you just have to work a little harder than the next guy. Um, But if you get picked in the fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, you have to work harder than the guy that's already on the team. You got to work harder than the guy that got picked in the first round. Like it's, all that changes is how much they pay you and how the process works. And that's about it. I mean, it, you still have to go prove that you can play on Sundays. And, uh, I mean, all, I think all four guys, um, you know, I, I think we're still kind of waiting to see uh, where Mo Berry might end up. Um, not too many other names uh, I expect from Nebraska to, to, to maybe end up on teams. But uh, it's... I expect all four of those guys to at least make a practice squad. Um, Davis Twins obviously being drafted, probably make a roster. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, fifty-three guys make the team. Like that's, it's the nature of the business, and um, it'll. I mean, it's something we'll keep an eye on, obviously, as as the um, off season and the season progresses. Given that there is a season, of course, but um, yeah. But I mean, overall. The draft was, like I said, a pretty cut and dry event. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And, and I liked it this year. And you know, one one last thing about the draft as we close it up, I thought you know one of the big 
winning takeaways from it was ESPN and NFL Network doing joint coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually they do their separate coverage, but for this they combined forces. They got great viewership. Uh, you know, a guy like Daniel Jeremiah who works for NFL Network, uh, maybe a lot of people don't know about him if you don't pay attention to the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, maybe the best analyst out of all of them, you know, talking about players. And so um, overall I thought, you know, that was a great, great takeaway for both of those um, uh, programs you know just being able to succeed together and you know maybe we'll have joint coverage again moving forward i liked it last thought on the on the draft steven in the seventh round if if you can pick a guy in the seventh round that you think will will do something who would you say it would be Uh, oh man i don't know if i I got like i could give a name well i don't know if i have a name specific but i'm of the belief you take a quarterback every single draft, no matter what your needs are, because oh, yep. uh, yeah. there's there's nothing more valuable in the NFL than a quarterback. And people do some some bizarre, crazy, horrible things to get their <laughs> their quarterback. I mean, they'll pay Chase Daniels and they'll pay Nick Foles, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that should be a crime. Um, but but they go ahead and do it. And so I think drafting a quarterback, trying to develop him or just use him as trade bait, uh, that's what you should do. So if you haven't drafted one yet, yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah. Well. The exact specific person that I'm thinking of is a quarterback that was drafted in the seventh round, and that was uh, Cole McDonald from Hawaii. It goes to the Titans. Um, one, I, I think it's I think it's perfect because Mariota leaves, and what do they fill it with? They fill it with a, whole, a Hawaii quarterback. Also, if you've ever looked at the evolution of Cole McDonald while at Hawaii, his freshman year and senior year look like two different people. Um, yeah. it's just like. He goes from being like a buzz cut, like probably had a strict family like kind of kid. The next year it's like, oh, maybe he's taking in some of like the beach life. And then it's like, oh, my God, he's got dreads. Like, where do these come? And then the next one he's got Hawaii tattooed on his arm. And meanwhile, this kid's from like, I think he's from like the middle of the U.S., uh, if I remember. And it's just like he he went full Hawaiian. Yeah. And for, if, for one, like if you can go full Hawaiian, you do it. And, and he did. And I – you know, whether he becomes, like, a great quarterback in the NFL, he's a great personality, and yeah. it'll be fun to see him on a team. He's kind of the Gardner Minshew of the draft, I feel like. For sure, bit. yeah. And you know what? Kind of like Gardner Minshew, a lot better in college than people think. I mean, this guy ran one of the fastest 40. I mean, just a blazing 40 at the Combine. Um, and then he he can really chuck the ball around, sling it around. He has this weird throwing motion where he, like, dips the ball low and then just rips it really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt it'll work out in the NFL. I hope it does, <laughs> though, because he was actually one of my favorite quarterbacks going in the draft, just kind of as an all-around what you get from him. Yeah, he grew up in California, but I mean... California. The thing was, people, as soon as they – it was the Titans that took him, mm-hmm. and they said, oh, best Hawaiian quarterback to ever be on the Titans. They already dissed <laughs> Mariota, and that was dirty. Oh. Um, and then – so I, I was joking before we, we started recording, but uh, some specialist news uh, in the NFL. Uh, Dustin Colquitt gets released from the Chiefs after 15 years. So the Chiefs for 15 years. Um you know, I mean, obviously, I think you come out 22, 15. I mean, you know, he's getting up in age, but also Vinatieri's going to be 60 kicking footballs. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, given he doesn't have a leg injury. We've also seen Vinatieri, like, slowly lose his accuracy. Um, last year wasn't so slowly. <laughs> yeah, last year was very rapidly. But, um, and then, uh, you know, a lot of, 
you know, like you said, Patriots being losers in the draft, um, they take a kicker, I believe they took him in the third round. Kicker from Marshall. Um, I'm going oh, to play for Wasser, I think, was his first He used name. to play for Rhode Island, then he transferred, played for, finished out his career at Marshall. So, it's, so the big, big, uh, you know, fuss about it was was all the um, – the three percenters tattoos and uh, yeah just just you know casual alt-right tattoo yeah you know right, i mean right, not, right. not a big deal nothing you're gonna have to answer questions about or anything yeah. you know jeez so uh you know obviously ask him a question you know says all his tattoos are random but i mean you know i only have one yeah. tattoo and it's not it was not random i he said I he didn't know me. what it meant he said he didn't know what it meant when he got it uh, give me a break and obviously the the other thing too and you know the the what happens a lot, and this is because social media has become such a big thing. Is you see one thing, um, and people take it to the extreme, or you know, falsify it almost. Um, now I'm not I'm not defending the guy by any means, but like the problem is, is you hear like three percenters, and you're like, oh, this guy's probably a neo-Nazi. It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> that's a little harsh. Uh, let's like get to know the guy first before we, you know, assume things about him. Well, comes out he's he has agreed to uh, cover up the uh, controversial tattoo, and uh, I don't know if that ends the saga or nope. or what that does. But um, you know, now personally, as a guy that you know, I, I love the specialist position. I you know, uh, my favorite tattooed specialist is the guy that plays for Miami. I don't know if you've seen the picture of this guy, but he played. Um, I think he played like professional rugby or like amateur rugby in New Zealand or Australia. And he went to Miami as a freshman at like 27, 28. Um, he had like his own business. He had like, you know, he was a, he was a grown man wow. in, in a different country, came here to play football. He's got like a big mustache and then he has <laughs> tattoos just all the way up his neck, all the way up and down his arms. Like, looks like he should probably be in jail. Birdman uh, style. Yeah, for re- yeah. And you're thinking like, oh man, he's a res- uh, red shirt freshman, and uh, he's gonna be thirty. Uh, and he's he has a- two kids. And on top of that, he's a punter. <laughs> like, like it's just, I don't know. I mean, that guy, whoever drafts him, if he ends up in the NFL, I mean. He has too many tattoos for you to call any of them into question. I mean, like, I can't even know what your arms look like at this point. You know, I'm just, I'm scared, you know. Um, so, we'll see what uh, what happens. Tough, tough day for that. the Patriots, though. I mean, oh, it's yeah. not a good draft, and then you get that on top of it. It's just bad all around. So, um, uh, we were talking about a little bit earlier um, just kind of what the, what the plan for um, – Maybe the NBA or the MLB, um, the NHL probably they're probably the least likely. I feel like to resume their season, but um, the NBA came out and said, you know, states that are lightening up their quarantine, stay-at-home orders, like we will, you know, we're okay with them practicing. Well, immediately those NBA teams were like, no, we're not going to just like all of a sudden have thirty people in the gym all around each other. So they backtracked really quick and said, okay. Uh, we're not going to do that, um, but we are going to allow teams to have voluntary workouts, no more than four people, only one staff member. And it's like at, at that point, like I, I get that the whole point 
of it is to make sure guys aren't like going to random gyms and practicing on their own. But it's but these most of these guys have basketball courts like in their house. I mean, most of them, not all of them, but you know. And I I don't think I don't think there's a rush really. I know people want sports to come back. I I'm one of them. I know you're one of them. But at the same time, it's just like there is no sense in rushing the process if there's not an answer yet there's no point in saying like well here's here's one way we could start a little bit like no one cares if four guys are practicing for their nba team like i i couldn't care less frankly um i know the pga is going to play basically all of all of their tournaments without fans and then decided they're gonna have seven majors next year pretty much um which a new tiger slam is about to happen i hope um and then the MLB said, you know, I know we talked about it, maybe just playing where they play spring training. But even then, you know, you've got teams of almost 40 guys. You know, do you limit the rosters? But then if guys get hurt, like how does the call-up process work? Uh, you know, minor there's league baseball just, teams aren't playing. It's just like yeah, there's no answer. There's no answer. And, yeah. and, but, but the leagues are still trying to That's make thing. an answer, it feels no, like. No, yeah. You said it best. There's no answer. And so sometimes it's just best to accept, hey, there is no answer, or hey, I don't know what the answer is, and be able to admit that and then move on. You, you don't need to rush and try to find the answer or try to rush and make something the answer that obviously isn't the answer, and I think that's what they're trying to do when it's just glaringly obvious. You should just not do that. You should just relax, wait for this to, to pass and get better, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But rushing things back just makes no sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, and it also... They... You know, this it, it breeds the craziest of ideas where it's like, okay, we're going to play six games um, between September and October, and then we're going to play six games in, like, February and March. It's like, like Or baseball trying to put in, like, a bunch of double headers. Like, yeah. it just... And, you know, with <sighs> baseball, you know, I, I know that part of the appeal to, to baseball guys, and I know you're one, I'm one. I You know, I, I talk to a lot of people that love the game of baseball. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I do think at some point, if they get, they, they might get to the point where they aren't playing 162 games anyways. But, uh, you know, you look at like the draft, for example, like viewership for the draft went up by it being done all at home. Um, and the MLB, if they can find a way to get on the field, even if it's a half of a season, even if it's 100 games with some doubleheaders. Um, or less days off, you know, obviously, like, teams like the Salt Dogs play 100 games in, in three months, you know, I'm not saying that's the same as the MLB, but it, it, it's possible, but, but that shouldn't know, be the motivation, in right, my opinion, it shouldn't be, be ratings and movie, or and money, and uh, I, I don't you know, know that that's what they're thinking, that, I know, you know which if, is unfortunate, if, if it's, if it's a matter of making sure guys still get their money from the revenue that the, the organization makes, you know, this would be the chance to, like, increase viewership because the only way you're going to be able to watch it is at home. But then, of course, you have the issue with the MLB where there's blackouts. And, like, if you live in Wisconsin, you can't watch Milwaukee. If you live in, you know, I don't think we can watch Kansas City through, like, MLB Network, but we can watch just about anybody else. Um, you know, they'd have to lift that, too. So, it, it's, it, like I said, there is no answer yet everyone's like, well, we'll find an answer. We'll have an answer. Like, we'll make the plan before we have the answer. And it's like, I don't, I, 
I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the rush is, and I don't. I don't see. The, there the shouldn't be a rush, it. but and you know what? Until then, we're just gonna have to. I know we have another one coming this week. We're just gonna have to be happy with just taking those fifteen dollars drafts, with That's making right. dream teams. You That's know? right, Stephen. So this week, uh, you know, last week we did eighties and nineties uh, star players. This week, it's it's twenty uh, tens best players to twenty tens. Um, now some of these guys, it's like they were probably really good in like. Kobe's on this list, um, and the reason he's a three-dollar player is because obviously, I mean, pre-2010 Kobe's. If you could take him, that's probably who you're taking a preference to. Um, but uh, so I, I got this sent from from Ron, and uh, that's why I sent it to you. And I picked two teams. Um, I had positionless basketball, and I had if I had to pick one from each position, like each dollar amount. Um, because this, I looking at this, this is the first one that I was like, give me two $5 players and I'll just figure the rest out. <laughs> That's like, what I did. Yep. Um, because you know, you could easily say I'll take Curry and LeBron or LeBron and KD. And I don't really care who my other three guys are like, we'll figure it out. Um, so I don't know if you want to do, you want to each go through our team. If you want to do a little snake, whatever. You Let's just do. do one by one again. I mean, my first pick, and I don't know if this is yours. I assume it probably is. For five dollars, I'm taking LeBron. Yeah. I mean, I just think love him or hate him. Like if you're building, he's a the team, best. Yeah, yeah, you're taking LeBron. I mean, he can play the three, only, he can play the four. The he, only, he can do everything. The only comparison I would say is KD. Um, a little interesting that Anthony Davis is a five dollar player over some of these other guys, but I know it's based on the position he plays. Um, you know, he plays a different position. Maybe he's a four four dollar player, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think LeBron, if given the circumstance, yeah, for sure. You have to yeah. take him. LeBron's one. I think two for me, you mentioned him, KD. I mean, he's seven feet tall, can, can shoot from a mile away, uh, can just do about everything. And so, you know, I'm, I, I think he's right there oh, behind LeBron, but uh, not, not by too much. And so I'm taking KD, no doubt. Yeah, in an effort to save a little money, um, but to also get more players that I wanted, uh, I took Dwayne Wade as my second pick of positionless basketball. Um, and I'll, I'll go through my position basketball after. But um, Wade's $4. Wade's $4. So that gets me to $9. But, you know, that leaves me with, with six. And that's, that's uh, plenty. So then after that, you know, so I, I need a – I got $5 left and I need three players – um, I'm going to three because I think the one dollar players are still good. Uh, for three dollars, I'm going Giannis. Yeah, honestly, just because he's such a freak. He's working on his jump shot; it's looking better. Mm-hmm. But uh, driving to the lane, he's unstoppable. He can get boards. Uh, I think a mixture of LeBron, KD, and Giannis, and we're already unstoppable. So mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, with my third pick, I was taking Kawhi. Um, you know, I have money to spend. I got money to burn. Um, and like I said, the $1 players in this compared to some other of these drafts that we've done, incredible. I mean, yeah. It, and Kawhi at $4 is, I mean, he's good. So yeah. I, I like that. So I, that I was, to, I could have seen him worth $5. So. Right. And that gets me to $13. So, you know, that means I, I have to take $1 players next, but you know, I, I'm okay with that because you've got, you now got LeBron, you've got, you know, I mean, D Wade, most of the 2010s was a shining star, um, still and of course Kawhi was a budding star from 14 to now so so then we both got two one dollar players left we got Damian Lillard Jimmy Butler Andre Iguodala LaMarcus Aldridge and uh Marcus Saul to pick from so Mm -hmm. 
Um, my next one, he was one of the guys that I, I just love in the league, love watching. Uh, you got to take Logo Lillard, right? I yep. mean, he could just do it. He, mm-hmm. he ice in his veins when the game comes down to it. Uh, great distributor, just can take over games. So I'm him as him is my point. I'm I'm taking that's that's an easy dollar spend right there. Yeah, as soon as I saw that was probably the first guy I was like, I'll take I'll him. splash on fives because I got him exactly. And and it, it's nothing against Steph Curry, but like given who the other five dollar players are, it's like I mean you can't go wrong with LeBron Curry or LeBron KD or LeBron AD. I think the only wrong five dollar players. James Harden, I'm fight me, I guess, but you know, whatever. I, I don't care. Um, Can you? We'll get to this later, but but, but, but I would take Damian Lillard with with my fourth pick, also. Good. Okay. So then, neither of us have a five yet, do we? No, but I'm playing position. LeBron's my. Oh five. yeah, you don't care. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I play five for all I care. I was thinking about a five, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Mark Gasol down low for me. Gets boards, another guy good defensively, uh, sets some of the hardest screens you'll see. And so I I think he's just, he's not a guy that's going to be flashy. I think he's been underrated his whole career, but I'm a big Mark Gasol fan. I love him as my fan. I think this no one's scoring on us, and then we got enough <laughs> offensive threats as is. I don't need Mark Gasol putting up, putting up shots. Yeah, so my last $1 player, again, positionless basketball. I really don't care. I just wanted five five players on a team right uh jimmy butler i just think like his you know as he's evolved and mostly as he's played with the heat i know you know in the limited season that we've had but uh i think he's he's improved as a defensive player he he can you can truly call him a two-way player um you know had his ups and downs in minnesota but i think it was more of uh, people didn't want to take him seriously in Minnesota, and he just needed to get out because you see him in Miami and even his early years in in uh, Chicago, and it's like he's a completely different player than he was for that stint in Minnesota. So I, I think I'd take Jimmy Butler there um, with my last dollar. Now, if I'm playing position basketball um, and I have to take one from each category, um, I still think my team is, is pretty loaded, and it's pretty much the same team. I changed two players, but I still take Damian as my one. I still have Wade as my two, uh, LeBron playing the three, Giannis playing the four, and, and Duncan playing the five, and that's fifteen dollars. And I think even that team would be—that's almost yeah. more unstoppable than the team that I get to freely pick my right. players. But um, I just—I I think if I had to pick Kawhi or Giannis, I think I'm taking Kawhi, like given the money. But it's pretty—he's it, just been in the league longer, and I think well, that's, I tell you- that's the biggest thing. I tell you what, Blake Griffin has four dollars valued more than Kobe, Mello, Giannis, Dirk, Clay Thompson. I, I don't. I mean, that is. To be fair, I looked over him. I didn't even know he's on here. <laughs> yeah, because he shouldn't be. I mean, four dollars. You. <laughs> Dwight Howard's That's a four dollars, and Dwight Howard stopped being Dwight Howard in 2010. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, you were going to ask me something when I was. Uh, no, I was going to rant about Blake Griffin because I was oh, so pissed okay. about it. Yeah, okay. no. I was ready to rant about James Harden. I get why he's the $5 player. Totally understandable. Well, that's like West, Westbrook as a four. You know, I get he's ultra-talented, but, like, he's wasting shots. And, you know, it's a lot of iso ball, him and, him and Harden. So, yeah. um, talented, I'm but tough to take. I'm surprised that even has worked as much as it, it has in Houston. I don't know how much... I don't know how long they can make that thing last. You but. you should get caught up on the Jordan documentary because I see a yeah, lot of Russell yeah, Westbrook and, and Michael Jordan, and so you think 
you know, West, or Jordan had that turn where, and you'll see it in the doc, but kind of that turn where it went from just him playing basketball um, through and then t- kind of turning it to where he's playing with his teammates, more of a team play. Mm-hmm. If Westbrook could do that, be something special, but yeah, yet to be seen. And that's the thing. I think Michael, Michael Jordan figured that out at a younger age. You know, I think he was still in his prime when he decided, like, hey, I should probably, like, have teammates that that give a damn when we play basketball. Um, I think what happened too much, and is a lot of it's not even like Russell Westbrook's fault. I mean, the Thunder get rid of, I well, the the Thunder don't find a way to keep Harden and KD, um, and then on top of that, you know, they don't really do anything to to boast the roster after that happens. Um, you know the. It's, it kind of just happened the way it did. I mean, now back with Harden, at least they had playing experience together, not the exact same, but they both have become their own individual players. Now they're trying to put them back together. Um, you know, it's it's one of those that people always complain, like, oh, well, Michael needed Scotty or he needed Rodman. It's like, well, yeah, anybody needs those guys. Like, that's not an exclusive thing. Like, yeah, he didn't win a title until Scotty Pippen was his teammate, but, you know, he was still the most dominant player on the team, even with Scottie Pippen. It's like it's not like all of a sudden, you know, Michael's taking the back seat to Pippen uh, or Rodman or anybody. It's just that any winning team you can't have one guy that does it, and that's the yep. reason that you know, no matter how many triple doubles Russ puts up, the Thunder were still like a forty-one and forty-one team. It, yep. just, it is what it is. Yeah, but. Marbula E next week, I think, or this I'm weekend. In. We'll have a recap. I'm all in. Yep. Um, trying to think. Place I, your bets now. Well, I don't know. I'll have to look now. I'll have to do <laughs> this a week. We'll place our bets. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, Stephen, anything else? No, right. that should do it, man. All right. Well, until next time, hopefully uh, early next week, um, we'll get back with you guys. But until then, we will talk to you a little bit later. See ya.